Just nine miles east of central London, Barking and Dagenham Giving are trying something that has never been done before. Their Grow Fund, England's first community-led investment fund, is backing community enterprises that will make a commercial and social impact in the borough of Barking and Dagenham. So, what makes this fund so special? Well, it was the local residents who decided how the fund was managed and invested. So join me as I speak to the business owners, the decision makers and the charity at the helm about what happened next. I'm LV Matty. Welcome to Nine Miles East, a podcast about a financial first. It has been inspiring to hear what the Grow Fund has achieved in Barking and Dagenham so far. We've learned where the funding came from and why the borough has so much potential. And the businesses that received the grants have had amazing things to say about their experiences. Well, being able to have that like backing when you're talking about decision making, the decisions feel a lot realer and it, you're not dreamscaping anymore. What the Grow Fund has allowed us to do that wasn't possible when we started has been to have a bit of breathing space, to focus very specifically on new areas of business development. The Grow Fund have invested in us, they've given us unrestricted funds at this much. We are able to cope with this and we can do this and we can actually deliver with this and, uh, and it opens up doors, hopefully, to other funders to work in the same way. But what's next? To find out, I spoke to Cameron Bray, Head of Learning and Participation, Kate Harmat, Head of Partnerships and Fundraising at BD Giving, Winmi Oyewole, a BD Giving ambassador who played a key role in the Grow Fund's community steering group. For this episode, we did things a little bit differently. I went down to Make It in Barking, where the BD Giving team is based, to have a chat with them. It's a vibrant and creative space where there's always something going on. So you might hear a bit of hustle and bustle in the background of this highly energetic space. Thank you so much all for joining us this morning. So Cameron, question for you first. How do you think the growth on process has gone and what have been some of your personal highlights? So I think on the whole, feeling quite positive. Uh, about the growth fund so we actually had a catch-up meeting this morning with impact hub who've been the delivery partner uh, on the program i think for us this was always going to be a learning experience these are the biggest grants we've given it's the first time we've sort of granted with you know an eye towards investing in in businesses which is a very different type of grant making and so i think the positives has been that you know the businesses are thriving. They've they've really responded well to the program, and yeah, sort of like looking forward to the future um, and helping shape what their investment looks like. I mean, the initial start of like working with with Wumi and the rest of the community steering group, um, I think was was really really great, and all the work that they put in, you know, in getting from like a hundred applications down to eight, you know, and really scrutinising and really trying to make sure that they, uh, you know, exercise like good judgment. And so I think like it was a privilege to sort of be with them on that journey and to support that and then to work with the organisations uh, moving forward who not only are the, like see themselves as like grantees and recipients of BD Giving's money um, but also like they themselves are like the first cohort of what we hope is like 
the big exciting step forward and I think they've internalized that like the way they, they talk about themselves and their role I think that's the thing that is quite exciting like it's not just a case of like we've you know dumped money on them it's they're part of this like much much bigger picture this, yeah no this, this is uh, huge you yeah. know like this has never happened before yeah. and you guys are literally making you know making that first step and making a massive difference to the community which is amazing so you kind of touched on it already but what have you learned as part of the process and how do you think this will be different as a result so I think the the two main bits of learning have been like capacity on BD Giving's end. So I think in terms of, you know, we want to make sure that the businesses have the support that they need going forward. So, you know, when we're going out in future, what we want to see is that the process itself is not just um, about, you know, you apply for funding and you either get it or you don't. So we're thinking about some sort of like pre-program to give um, potential applicants the support they need. Um, to not only apply for us, but also to like, how do they strengthen their overall uh, work, whether it's how they present their finances, how they talk about their governance. Um, you know, there was some, uh, you know, we had 100 applications, 40 sort of got through to the the, the, the second round of, of funding. And I think what we want to do is sort of go back and say, well, those businesses that didn't get through the first round, what is it that we can do for them going forward? So I think it's, it's the growth fund, not just in terms of, the end product of what it funds and what it doesn't fund, but also a more holistic uh, and hopefully more, yeah, optimistic view of the, the borough. Yeah, definitely. And also, I feel like BD Giving always has something like up their sleeves. So please tell us, are there any other opportunities that people can get involved in? Yes. So there are two ways to get involved, which uh, you can keep an eye out for in the new year. Um, the first one that will be coming along is we want residents to get involved with the new iteration of the Community Steering Group. Um, and you'll hear from Mummy about what that experience is, is meant to her and what that looks like. Um, and then the other opportunity is targeted more at business leaders and entrepreneurs in the borough. We fundamentally believe that people impacted by decisions should be the ones involved in making those decisions. With the Growth Fund serving the business community, we need business leaders, entrepreneurs uh, to step forward and help us shape the Growth Fund um, so that it actually becomes a product that, that serves people's needs um, and you know, hopefully helps the, the business sector thrive and, and flourish. So Winnie, question over to you. What sort of businesses would you like to see supported to grow in the borough? If I look back at what we did earlier in the year when we were doing the Growth Fund, there seemed to have been a lot of creative businesses that came through for the Growth Fund. I'm thinking in the future, we want to kind of mix that up. Maybe we want to now look at how we can promote more scientific-based businesses, maybe tech businesses, so we can have a diverse, diverse group of businesses, not just creative arts, but tech, science, People that are on the cutting edge of, you know, maybe a cloud-based businesses. Nice. Well, fingers crossed to that. And um, I'd love to know, what kind of differences have you noticed so far? I think it's a bit too early to say, to see that, to say that I can see differences, if I'm really being honest with this growth fund, because they're still at the very early stages of the fund and uh, of them walking through with BD Given. But having said that, I was listening to the podcasts of Kemi and even most of them, and I could see that they have been able to articulate that in a short space of time, they've been able to see what difference the growth fund is making with their business. So for instance, Kemi said that she wouldn't have been able to have been on a high street, but through the growth fund, she's been able to do that now. And, you know, even speaking about not having the grants restricted is really, really, I think it's really, really a plus there, which means that all organizations that have been funded, they can tap into using that to grow, whichever 
whatever way they want to grow and they can use that to actually build capacity to develop as they grow along with their business. So I think that's the difference we'll also make in the future. Definitely agree with that. So what are like some of the benefits of getting involved in things happening in our, yes, our local community and having a seat at the table when it comes to making the decisions? What really made me to get involved with BD Green in particular and not just BD Green but in the borough is that when I came out of work, I was kind of made redundant and when I came out of work, I wanted to, I just realised I didn't have the network, I didn't have that community around me. I was trying to build a business, I was self-employed, but I didn't, I only knew people from my church, myself and my place of work. And you can't grow or develop a business if you don't have people around you. So I think that was part of my learning as an individual to get involved where I live but beyond that, to make a contribution, because when I make a contribution and where I'm living is prospering, I will prosper too. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing. So, Kate, we have not forgotten about you. <laughs> so tell us, what are you most excited about the next phase? We're just getting started, really. Grow Fund Year 1 was just the beginning. So Grow Fund Year 2 is a step toward a whole new emerging ecosystem here in the borough. We're really just getting started. As Ade and AJ and Edem pointed out in a previous episode of Nine Miles East, you know, we're coming off the back of decades of paternalism in the borough and this new generation that's grown up here after the massive change and after the closure of the Ford factories are, are coming into their careers and their adulthood and defining a whole new borough for themselves. And that's really exciting. And what we need here are aspirational figures so the Grow Fund is helping to build aspirational figures by bringing entrepreneurs through an accelerator program and building programs off the back of their specific needs and desires um, and continuing to do that again and again. We are the youngest local authority of any in England. We need to show young people that there are opportunities here and there's funds to back those opportunities. Do you remember in... Um, a previous episode when Amir Rizwan called barking and Dagenham a Petri dish. Mm. Super cool. Yeah. I loved that. <laughs> I mean, it's it's true. It, and Julian explained it well in saying that, you know, we're this place confined by the borders of our borough and within it, there's lots of really interesting things happening. And we ask questions like, what happens when you involve local people in the decision-making process? What happens when a steering group designs a funding application? And the result is that the funding, you know, reaches people it wouldn't otherwise. We're asked all the time why we're a cold spot for funding by funders themselves and hopefully the Petri dish can teach funders that the system needs to change and the approach needs to change in order to reach people of this borough. The fact that it's a cold spot, it just goes to show that, you know, there's so much more to be done here. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the systemic stuff, you know, what I always come back to is, uh, you know, we had 100 applicants 70% uh, of them were from black-led organizations. You know, ultimately only eight grants got awarded, but the feedback we had from, you know, lots of other organizations was that our fund was the first time that they'd felt seen by a fund and actually felt that it was something worth applying for and worth taking their time for. And, you know, of the grants that got, that got given, you know, there's 10 organizations, eight funds, seven of those organizations, black-led, 
you know, and we didn't set out to do that. You know, I think if you look at other funding that has happened, very often when they approach the question of, of equity, they end up having to frame it in this way of like, we, we deliberately need to target people because we have like failed and not funded them and not appreciated their ideas. But because we actually had a diverse community steering group, they were the ones who co-designed it. We never needed to do that. We never need to explicitly say, you should apply for this fund for X, Y, and Z reasons. People saw themselves in that fund because it was residents, it was that community voice that was in there who was guiding, you know, the language we use, the way we yeah. present stuff, the way that we talk about the Grow Fund meant that it felt very accessible. And I think that's the thing that I encourage like people to, you know, investors, other funders to like come and really get involved with. Of, there isn't a magic trick here. Um, there isn't an easy answer like it's, it's all about relationship building um, and trusting in the community and that's what we've seen rewarded like yeah. the fact that we you know I'll be perfectly candid there was a mm. there was a point you know two weeks I think before uh, two or three weeks before the deadline I was worried that we weren't going to even get eight applications wow. um, you know we'd had like a couple trickling in and we had this big surge from the the different like uh, outreach events we had um, and I think also to see such a diverse spread of, of, you know, not only the people themselves applying, but the ideas that they are presenting, the way they talk about the borough, you know, we've got, you know, we've got a hundred perspectives of Barking Dagenham now, because one of the questions was, what does Barking Dagenham mean to you? Mean to you? What I love about Barking and Dagenham is two people could be living next door and be living entirely different lives and both could never actually leave the borough. And I really like that it still has a potential for that. The thing I love most about Barking and Dagenham is the young people. I think outside of Croydon, we are one of the most diverse places now in London as well. So I think particularly, anecdotally, yeah, some unique circumstances that are making this a very exciting place to be. Exciting place to be. Even that of sort of tapping into that sense of feeling of like, oh, we don't have a monopoly on what Barking Dagenham means. And it also means that we've got something to go back to people and say, you said all these things about Mark and Dagenham, what else can we do to sort of help you, you know, realise that vision as well? Yeah, and I could definitely say the application process was actually probably one of the nicest <laughs> applications I've probably seen. You know, it was very much personal, you know, mm. and I think for a lot of people in Barking and Dagenham who are applying for funding are like, what does this mean? There's too many words. I can't explain myself and, you know, really point out there you know really put my point out there what it is I'm trying to apply for and I think with the growth fund it was very personalised like, as you mentioned before Cameron you can literally say what you love about Barking and Dagenham where you see it going and how your company or business is going to make an impact and I feel like that's so important and exactly. uh, so people can actually really express themselves yeah and I think it was that accessibility of the of you know we're making it accessible making and also you know we did the lunch and I remember that lunch there was a lot of buzz in the mm. air and people could see that, okay, maybe I, I could potentially apply for this fund. And that was a very good point that made it to have, at the end, a very huge, um, people, a huge, uh, I would say, outburst of applicants coming through at the very, very end. And also having those outreach days are very important, you know, because people don't think they can apply for something, but you open it up and you make yourself accessible and reachable, then you're giving them a tool to actually empower them to come and say, okay, what do I need to do to apply for this funding? What do I need to do to make to put my house in order for this funding? And that is actually yeah. a very, very good point that yeah. made the Grow Fund quite successful in that manner. Trust is, is such a key word here. You hear a lot of funders talk about trust-based funding, you know, in order to have a maximum impact. 
You hear a lot of investors say that trust is the key to ensuring repayment on the loan. And if all of that's true, I feel like the Grove Fund is in a very good position to continue to recycle money in this borough because our community steering group came together uh, to learn how to trust each other initially. And they built an application process that was built on trust. And, and trust has been there with us every step of the way, as demonstrated by what Cameron mentioned and seeing a huge outpouring of honesty and love for the borough in some of the answers, in you know seeing a huge diverse panel of applicants into the borough. And now seeing those who've come through the funding process and the business development program wanting to stick with us and continue to be leaders in developing the next iteration of the Grow Fund. Trust is fundamentally there. And we feel like when we begin loaning money out, trust will continue to be there and we'll have the outcomes we want to see of loan repayments and pushing that money forward onto the next business. So it's really exciting to see that the trust we've seeded is continuing to grow and to develop and the basis for everything we're building here. You know, our ethos from the start has always been you get the outputs of a system based on like how the system is, is designed. The bit that very fr that frustrates me about funders, you know, I was in a meeting last week with a bunch of funders, it's very easy to talk about trust. But then if, if the questions you're asking is, prove that you're not trying to scam us, prove that you are who you say you are, prove that you're like, <laughs> like that's not trust. Like you have to give people the opportunity to let you down. And, to, and of it, you know, different funders will have a different appetite for like what that risk looks like. But it's incompatible to say, you want to see more trust or that you even expect to see more trust if the way you treat people isn't trusting. I think in the immediate sense, they're not going to want to show that trust to you, but you've given them very little incentive to, to replicate that behavior towards other people. And I, I would like to think that that's what we've done for people, you know, both over the past four years of working with decision makers, the people that end up making decisions tend to start in a very pessimistic place of, oh, what if they're going to spend this money badly? What if they're going to do like, bad things with it? But then 99% of, the, of our decision makers end up coming to a point of like, actually, if I want to see a difference in Barking mm. Dagenham, I have to be prepared to take that risk and be brave exactly. with it. And also to, to, take it, like, to see it as a collective decision. I think that's a lot of the time is people tend to individualize that of like, it is a scary decision and you get a voice, mm. but you're not the only person. And I would like to think that's with the community steering group. That's that at least... You know, as much as I was part of it in, in facilitating it, but that's what I saw in that group was a bunch of people who slowly started to realise that they were making decisions as a group, mm -hmm. and that sense of like shift in accountability, I think, like it enables you to feel more trusting because it's not just you that is implicated. It's not just you that's going to be held accountable. Like it's, it's a shared responsibility, and once you share that feeling, it feels a lot easier to yes. then go out and say, well, yeah, we can do something different together because we're doing it collectively. Definitely. I think collect, co the word collective or participation, I, you know, I remember that so much, you know, going through that process. You know, you might have different opinions or different views, but you know you're making a collective decision. And I think that was uh, an empowering value or an enriching value that came out of being a com community steering group member. And I think, yeah, that, that has been what's really driven us to really come up with what we've done in, in the last two years. And... Yeah, we're kind of moving it forward now. 
And mm -hmm. I hope that next hearing group is able to also use that, use those values to really grow and thrive. Yeah. Winmi, you really embody that. As I've seen you at speaking engagements and at conferences, you never say I, you mm -hmm. always say we, and you say me and my community, my community steering group. You, you come with pictures of the group. You talk about us and powerful women who made these decisions. <laughs> and that's a really beautiful thing because you are given a voice, but you bring your community with you. Yeah, because it's not. I didn't make the decision on my own, and I'm always very honest to, to be able to share that that it was a collective decision about women coming together. Made it, even though I'm the one promoting it, sharing the sharing it. I didn't make it on my own, and I also want to include them in the, in our success. So if they look at the video or see, see me speak, they feel included as well, and that's why I do that. Nice. Yeah. So I guess my question to all of you is. For the next organisation or group looking to apply to the Grow Fund on the next phase, what would be your top tip? Mm, I would say don't be afraid. If you see an opportunity, just try. Even if you didn't make it, you've tried. So for me, I tried and I've made it or I'm still making it because we are going somewhere. So for all the students, residents out there and you, if you want to come across this application to, to apply to become a studying group member, please go for it. Don't put yourself down. Mm. Just go for it. Apply. Put in an application. Don't miss the deadline. And can we also say you can actually do joint applications as well. So you don't have to do it alone, which is great. <laughs> I think for me, big thing it is to come and talk to us like when we you know when we do go out and say we've got these times to meet if those don't work for people like do reach out for us I think it's a really important thing that I want to point to is 100 applications 40 made it through to the first round I think about 70% of those 40 were people who had engaged with us um, and I think it really helped strengthen their applications because they got a better understanding of what the questions were asking and I think that's the important thing is that if you look at the questions and you don't understand it, that's probably not uh, your fault. Like, it's fine to reach out and say, you've said this, it might be painfully obvious, but actually, what do you mean? It helps you because you're going to be able to answer the question better. It helps us for future iterations to sort of say, we need to be a bit more explicit, give some examples. Um, but yeah, I'd say like, whenever we've got applications out, come and chat with us. I mean, also the thing is, the amount of time I saved of other people's time, they came and had a 15 minute chat with me and then were like, actually, I don't think the growth fund's for me. Save themselves however much hours they would have put into applying. Good use of my time, 15 minutes of my time, 15 minutes of their time. And it also means that you're on our radar. So yeah. if, if other opportunities come up, we know about you and we can reach out to you. My top tip is be honest because BD Giving's programs and our funding can only be as good as the information we have from the people we're trying to benefit. So express your needs and desires. And with that, what we're trying to do in Barking and Dagenham is influence the wider funding landscape. So if we can prove that our funding can respond directly to the people we're, who are, we want to benefit, then we can influence this change from other funders to respond to the needs and desires of the people that they're trying to benefit. So mm -hmm. it, it really starts with you, mm -hmm. applicant. <laughs> that actually brings me to my next question. So if you were speaking directly to investors right now, imagine they were in the room, what would you like to tell them about why investing in Bark and Dagnum is an opportunity not to be missed? 
I would say to investors that, you know, this is when growth happens and this is where you can come and learn what the future can look like because we have people here who are diving headfirst into uncharted territory and that doesn't happen in other places where people are comfortable. It happens in places like Barking and Dagenham. Definitely. So tell us, how can investors get involved? Investors should certainly get in touch. Our contact details are on our website. I always love starting with a conversation. It can be virtually, but I'm more than happy to invite anyone into the borough for a visit so I can show them what's happening. They can see for themselves. We can ideate. We can learn together just from a walk or a conversation. There's also lots of different programs that we are piloting. We're happy to share and build um, partnerships and learning exchanges. There's really a plethora of opportunities, but everything starts with a conversation. Nice. And you also mentioned about a newsletter. So how can people sign up and subscribe to that as well? Oh, thanks for plugging <laughs> that. I do have an investor relations newsletter where some of the folks in the social investment sector get a monthly um, letter from me and it highlights some investable opportunities in the borough as well as um, a, a focus in on our decision making process so that others um, other investors can learn from how we're building out the growth fund yeah I mean I was at a, a meeting of funders last week and I'm always happy to be the agitator in the room and yeah, one of the things I said was that, you know, I'm from Barking Dagenham. We tend to be the cold spot on all your funding maps if you if you look mm -hmm. at a map of, of London. Um, and yeah, and I think just that, that idea of if you're looking to make a difference, looking at like why funding isn't going to Barking Dagenham, because it's not that there aren't great ideas here and great people to take you up on that. Um, a lot of the time it is barriers in, in how people are approaching funding. Um, and the, the limitations that they put on people, it, you know, it, it discourages people from applying because they don't see themselves in the opportunity. Um, and that isn't what we had in the growth fund. You know, I think if we look at the, the spread of applicants that we had um, was much, much higher in terms of diversity than, you know, than many other funders, uh, even much larger funders can claim to. Um, so I think that's that's one thing to sort of ultimately try and change is that we we are able to get money out in Barking Dagenham like it's clearly not a problem of getting money out um so if, you, if you're looking at the borough and seeing it as as that cold spot on your map um like come and chat to uh, come and chat to us so before we go why don't you remind investors why this is an opportunity not to be missed so I think, especially when it comes to looking at social investment, the challenge that I put out there, sort of gauntlet I'd throw down, is that if you're serious about social investing, you have to put your trust in people. Um, and I think, you know, we're, the fact that we're offering, you know, a participatory decision-making system uh, and taking that approach to investment means that the thing that we're offering you is that it's not just about social investment in terms of where the money goes, it's also the impact it's making as that money flows like through the system as well. So I would like to say that we, we deliver like more bang for the buck. It's a once in a generation opportunity as we, we look at the history of the borough and also what's happening now with massive amounts of new development and new industries landing in the borough and the juxtaposition of this this new generation sort of emerging out of mm. the ashes. Um, but, you know, all these things are coming together in this moment to, to, to build a collective and to 
build a new legacy for the borough and sort of set the stage for how all of these new developments and new changes coming to Barking and Dagenham are directed. Nice. So investors, if you're listening, please don't sleep on Barking and Dagenham. (laughs) (laughs) And as you've heard, you've heard that we have a lot of young talent in the borough. And where should you be investing? In the young talent. So yes, we've got a lot of young people here who need that money to do good, to make a change and to make them to grow through the process. So, yeah, back in the Dagenham is quite ripe now for growth. So come and invest in us. Thanks for listening to Nine Miles East with me, Elvi Matu. This episode of Nine Miles East was produced by Chris Mitchell, Cass Denton and also Lucy Ditchmont, courtesy of The Feast Collective. And sound design was by Chris Mitchell. The podcast concept came from Louise Kavanagh at Purposeful Marketing. If you like what you've heard, feel free to leave a rating or a comment and tell all your friends about us. This podcast is brought to you by Bargain and Dagnum Giving. To learn more about the Growth Fund and other things happening with BD Giving, please visit bdgiving.org.uk. Bargain and Dagenham is a place full of investable opportunities and learning to share. Visit bdgiving.org.uk to find out more and get in touch. <laughs>